Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. I wanted to talk to you today about who Jesus is. Is that okay? Three people are excited about that. Um, Okay, so we had an election. And um, for a lot of people watching the election, there's this feeling about, oh, um, I'm either happy or I'm disappointed or I'm, you know, or I'm sort of ambivalent. Can I say this to you? There is no political solution for a spiritual problem. I'll say it again. There is no political solution for a spiritual problem. And the problem for Australia is not primarily a problem of political issues, even though we have lots of political issues. The, the, the critical path for us as believers is, is that we understand there is a spiritual dimension that trumps everything else. Not Sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned the word trump. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, it it overweens everything else. And so there is this fundamental thing that you and I have to recognise, which is that we, we need to have a spiritual solution for a spiritual problem. And Jesus' spiritual solution actually was the kingdom of God. His, his, his way of dealing things was... was uh, to bring the kingdom wherever he was. He was a kingdom bringer because he was the king, you know. Uh, um, and people often ask me, what is the kingdom? Well, very simply, the kingdom is the rulership of God in the hearts of humanity. So when you invite the king in, you're inviting the kingdom in. And you become a kingdom ambassador. You become a carrier of the kingdom. But your allegiance has to switch from, well, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, my allegiance is to my country region or my allegiance is to my state against you know, other states, which makes sense during state of origin. But basically, at any other time, it's not enough. Your allegiance is not even to your nation primarily. You are, in one sense, a, a rebel against the, the form Oh, my nation, my national identity. No, no, your allegiance is, your first and foremost allegiance is to the king and his kingdom. And and the great thing about that is it gives you all the security you need, right? All the security you need, you're going to find in him. So this year, Pastor Mark and Darlene, for for all of our Hope You See campuses, we now have six uh, campuses and and, um, it's chaotic at times. And... But there was one fundamental thing that Mark and Darlene felt God really laid on their heart and it's really resonated with our whole team and it was simply this, that, that we should talk about and remind ourselves about this so great salvation that we have. That we ought to re- reflect back on the salvation that God has given to us. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. I want to remind you that you were called primarily for salvation. And salvation, the, the, the 
Greek word for salvation basically implies this holistic, complete health and transformation initiative that God brings within us. Transforms every aspect of our identity, our personality, our security, our, our future, our, our past, our, our health, our well-being, our sense of wholeness. Everything is wrapped up in this word salvation. It's a life from God. And so I want to take a moment to do a bit of an apologetic thing, as not, I'm not apologising to you, an apologetic thing as in I want to take you from something to something in terms of our thought process. Is that okay? Are you sort of, who's, is everyone okay? You're still thinking about your breakfast order? Yeah. Um, um, so <clears throat> we're going to dive in. So this guy... Um, He's walking along and he sees this, this house and, and outside the house there is this sign and it says, talking dog for sale. And so the guy's like, what? Talking dog for sale? That's really random. So he, he knocks on the door and goes in and, and the guy says, yeah, yeah, I'm selling this dog. And, and he meets this dog, you know, it's quite a big dog and he's like, he, and he goes, so... What's the go with you? Like, and the dog says to him, well, you know, um, I'm, a, I'm a talking dog, and, and, but my owner is frustrated. And so he, he says, so the guy says, well, tell me your story. So the dog says, well, you know, as a young pup, I was born uh, actually in the Swiss Alps and I was trained to be a rescue dog in, in, in avalanche care. And so I was like, you know, I, I rescued a lot of people in, in, in avalanches as I grew up. And then um, after that, I wound up as a military dog and I actually served in Afghanistan. And then from there, I wound up um, moving here to Australia and, and now I'm, I'm working supporting um, old people in nursing home. So it's so my retirement pathway. And the guy goes, guy turns to the owner, he goes, what, this dog is amazing. Like, I've never met a talking dog. It's like, this dog, why would you want to sell this dog? And the owner says, He's a liar. He's never done any of those things. <laughs> if we're going to tell our story, we have to discover what's real, what's authentic, what has authority. We have to actually be truth tellers. And, you know, it's an interesting thing about Jesus. He, he makes a massive amount of statements about himself. And I want to talk about who he is because I want to remind us in, in thinking about who he is, what it means for us. He says about himself, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the bread of life. I'm the water of life. I'm the, you know, he's, he uses the phrase, I am an awful lot. And if you remember your Exodus chapter three, you remember that when God revealed himself to Moses, he, he revealed himself in this way. I am that I am. The name I am became revered amongst the Jews because of that, because they, they, they were literally in awe of this self-existent God. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. You know, he's the ever-present one, the ever-present help in trouble, actually. So, so he, he basically gives us this sense of identity, I am that I am. And then Jesus literally hijacks that statement and applies it to himself. Why is that important? Because you and I are right now in a battle of what I would call truth decay. 
we are, in, we are facing a, a, uh, a season where truth has become relative. Now, where there's a will, there's a relative, but that doesn't help you. We, we have to recognise that truth is not relative. You can't have any truth at all if truth is relative. I can prove that to you, but I don't have time. I just want, I want you to take that thought on board. You cannot have any truth at all if truth becomes relative. Why is that relevant for you? Because right now your world is, well, you do you, mate. You just do you, and I'll just do me, and, and, and you do what you feel, and I'll do what I feel, and then we just feel great about everything because I can be myself. Well, no, you can't because there are certain fundamental. If I jump out of an aeroplane... Without a parachute, it doesn't matter how I feel about it. <laughs> it's like the guy who actually, you know, he's doing his first parachute jump and he's, he, he gets to the edge of the plane and the instructor says, now remember, you know, when you jump out, pull the ripcord and your first chute will open. If it doesn't open, then pull your second ripcord and your second chute will open and you will float down to this area and down the bottom there will be a bus waiting to carry you back to uh, where we took off. And so he jumps out, he pulls the first shoot, nothing happens. He pulls the second shoot, nothing happens. And he's like, man, I don't want to be negative, but I bet you the bus isn't down the bottom either. <laughs> There's this fundamental thing we have, which is about truth. Jesus said about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's confronting because you and I think, well, gee, Jesus, you're being a bit exclusive. But if he's the only parachute that works, I would rather have the parachute that works and opens than, than just lean to my feeling about what I think God ought to be like. Is this Okay. You know, it's no good, you know, like if you're up the top of a, of a skyscraper and the fireman arrives and says, I'm here to take you down and the only way out is this way, you're going to trust the fire guy over your own feeling about it. You're going to know I'm taking the elevator. No, the elevators are off. No, I don't care. I'm just taking them because that's the way I always go up and that's the way I always go down. No, no, you're going down in this harness outside the building. Why? Because it's the only way by which you can be saved. Well, we, you and I have to remind ourselves about not only the salvation for you and I, but, but the importance of that salvation for everybody else. Why are we so silent about our salvation? Our salvation is not just for us. When the kingdom comes, it doesn't just come to us, it comes through us. And, and the point of about why would we focus this year for us as churches on salvation? Because literally, since we've done that, we have seen more salvations in the start of this year than we've probably seen in years and years, probably ever, as a group of churches. And, and it's... There's nothing gives the church more life than seeing new believers come to faith and us have to disciple them and figure out how to lead them. About three weeks ago, we literally baptised 48 people one Sunday. 
and, and, and we're like in awe of what God is doing. And I, I realised that I don't think I'd ever, as a pastor, seen that many people get baptised in one Sunday. So I'm saying that to say, this is you. You are the carriers of the kingdom. And so you have this responsibility, not just to enjoy the fruit of salvation, but to share it. So my prayer is that there'll be opportunity, even as I'm speaking, for some of you, there's probably somebody, somebody face comes to your mind, somebody that you work with, somebody that you think about, somebody you've been praying for. But at some point, you're going to have to tell them about the parachute. <laughs> Is that okay? It, it, we can't be apologetic about our faith. Because I promise you, this world is increasingly uncomfortable with the way the rest of the world is going. It doesn't matter what they believe. They are nervous about the fact that they don't have a pathway for clarity, for purpose, for meaning, for, for hope. You and I are carriers of that. And so it's important that we stay in tune with that. So in a season where there is truth decay and we recognise there's no political solution, we then draw near to what Jesus said about himself. Jesus has this radical encounter with um, Pontius Pilate. He's dragged... After having been beaten, he's dragged before uh, the Roman procurator. And, and so there is this long discourse and Pilate basically says to Jesus, you say you're the king of the Jews? And he basically says, yeah, I am. And then from there he turns it around. He goes, well, am I a Jew? I'm, a, I'm serving Caesar and I'm not under your authority. I'm, and, and, he's, and Jesus says, if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would be fighting. In other words, they would take up a political stance or a military stance or some other way of trying to engage. But, but my kingdom is not of this world. But you say rightly that I am a king. And then he says this, he says, you've, you've basically spoken the truth. <laughs> and so Pilate says this amazing question, which, you know, is probably one of the most profound questions ever asked. What is truth? But what was interesting about that is he should have asked, N.T. Wright points this out, he should have asked, who is truth? Not what? <laughs> he, he got the question wrong in that context because Truth personified the truth, not a truth, the truth was standing right in front of him and he never knew, he never saw it. He never figured it out. Church history records actually that Pontius Pilate's wife might have become a believer. She, um, as you know, she dreamed about Jesus and warned Pilate, don't have anything to do negatively with this man, don't damage him. But of course, the rest is history. Why is it important to know and focus our attention on the truth? The reason is in a world where truth is decadent, where truth is undermined, where truth is negotiable, actually underneath all that, the world is still searching for something secure, something safe, something that is unshakable. 
And that truth resides in a person. And, and you won't find it meaning anywhere else. You won't find purpose anywhere else. So Jesus says, he goes on and says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, especially at Tamworth, and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty roar. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he taught, listen to this, he taught with real authority. In this season where There are more authorities you have to deal with than ever before in Australian history. There's the local government, there's the state government, there's the federal government, there's the New World Order, <laughs> no, sorry. There's the World Economic Forum. There's, there's um, even your computer has rules that won't allow you to do all sorts of things. You, 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 if you drive, I don't know if you've noticed this, but every 10 seconds there's a sign telling you what you're not allowed to do. And what, what it creates actually is this um, fearful, compliant community. But they don't know how to lead themselves because they can't go anywhere without a sign posted in front of them, warning. It's like, you know, I remember we, I took my kids camping in, in um, Mile Lakes, near, you know, on the coast. And you remember the coast? And, and, um, and, and so there were this, these signs posted on these trees, warning. Trees can fall down on tents, right? And the reason those signs got put up there was because somebody went camping and a tree fell on their tent and they got injured. And they sued the council for not having put a sign up to warn them about the danger of trees falling on their tents, which I think is very intense. It, but it's, 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 just, it's very bizarre to me that we need a sign to warn us when we're out in the bush that there, a tree could fall on our tent. Why am I saying all that? Because these authority things actually don't help us. They don't help us to become more, more um, self-determinative. They don't help us to become able to self-lead. But all authority in heaven and on earth is going to be placed into Jesus' hands, above all governmental authority. And I, I talk about that tonight, the preparation you and I have not only for not to be fearful about the future, but actually to be the most confident about the future. So, <clears throat> Nikki Gumbel says this, speaking about authority and about purpose. He says, there's a difference between science and faith. Science is very important because it deals with scientific questions, but equally faith is really important because it answers some very fundamental questions about life. And everybody has faith. An atheist has faith. They may not, tell you, I don't know if you debate with many atheists, I often do, um, but, but um, atheists don't realise they're operating by faith. See, there's, there's 
only two possible origins to the universe. Either God created it or it created itself. So which has the more logic to it? Well, everything about the universe is completely designed. It's fine-tuned to, to an infinitesimally precise degree. Everything about the universe, your DNA, your cellular structure, your identity, your eyes, the way your body functions, the, the, the fact that a mango tastes nice to you. Everything about the world is designed and you were designed into it. Everything about it. It's, it's incomprehensible. It would take ridiculous amount of faith to believe that this is an accident which then by logic pursues the thought that it would take a ridiculous amount of faith for you to believe that you are an accident in spite of what your siblings told you. <laughs> Who's the youngest here? Right, yeah, you weren't an accident. Well. <laughs> yeah, um, I had a moment where my mother gave me invitations to hand out to my brother's surprise birthday party. That's when I knew that he was the favourite. <laughs> An atheist has faith there is no God. But you can't prove that mathematically or scientifically. Equally, it's hard for us to prove mathematically in some ways that God exists. I think we can pr prove that God exists by cumulative evidence. But... <clears throat> Nikki Gumbel says this, I myself could not be a Christian if it was kind of like a blind leap of faith. I love this. If there was no evidence at all, you just had to believe. I believe there is good historical evidence for the, for the existence of God. You know, historical evidence is evidence. Scientific evidence is not the only kind of evidence we need. A lawyer used what you might call historical evidence. Every time a jury brings back a verdict, they're doing it on the basis of things that happened in history, evidence of history, and every jury decision is a step of faith. And so it is that we have to make up our minds about Jesus. That is a step of faith. You see, what happened to me as a, an agnostic university student was that I went on a search for authenticity. I wanted something real. I wanted something that had meaning. I wanted to know that there was a purpose for my life. I wanted to know that, that there was a spiritual solution. And, and it's important that we don't forget where we've come from in our faith journey. Do not take for granted all the things God has deposited in your life because God has given you evidences. I can say, yes, yes, when I started out, I had belief and I had doubt. I, had, I wavered between two things often. But over time, God shows himself strong. He shows himself real. He shows that he's really there. He, he continues to confirm his word. He continues to do what seems impossible. And in the process of that, he begins to, to not only have authority in my life, but he has authenticity. He is my security. He's my salvation. Why is that important? Because firstly, we have to remind ourselves of what we actually believe. Increasingly, when the world seems darker, the light shines brighter. That's the point. 
you and I are meant to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And I want to remind you of that because sometimes the enemy comes to bluff you into silence. The enemy wants to marginalise your voice. The enemy wants to, to, to make the church quiet down and shrink back and, 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 you know, become apologetic about our faith. Do not do that. We, we have a bit of a... My wife's a history teacher and she's, she's pretty passionate about history, partly because she came from an atheist background into faith and... And part of her journey, she wound up at Armidale University and that's where she became a Christian, actually, because somebody dared to share their salvation story with her. And she'd never heard that you could be saved. She never heard that word. She never understood what that meant. And I'm so glad that somebody reached into her world and, and told her their story. And it had powerful authority in her life because it was an unshakable testimony. Your testimony, your story... Is, is unshakable. It's, it's your story. And the, and the more you share it, the more you re-experience it. It's an amazing principle. And, and that's why your story matters. And that's what I'm really trying to stir up today, that you will not apologise for the great salvation that God's given to you. Anyway, so my wife's a history teacher and she winds up teaching at this school and, and all of our kids go to that school, state school. And so my son is going through uh, year 10 um, when he bothered to turn up. And, and, um, and while he's there, he's doing a history essay and he said, I want to do my history essay about Jesus. And the history teacher said, no, you can't. We're only allowed to do real historical figures. <laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> Uh, he's still alive, but only just. Um, <clears throat> no, I, I'm like, and it's stuck in my memory ever since that somewhere along the line, that guy was fed so many lies about, about history. And as a student of history, he ought to have been far better educated than he was. Because let me say this to you, if you believe anything at all from ancient history, Anything. You believe in Caesar, you believe in Alexander the Great, you believe in, you know, the Homer's Odyssey and the Iliad or anything you've read from ancient history at all. If you believe in anything at all, you have to believe in the Bible. And particularly, you have to believe in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is more authenticated by documentary evidence than any other ancient historical figure by a magnitude of thousands. Why is that important? Because trust in the identity of Jesus is not a blind leap of faith. That's what Nikki Gumbel's saying. Your faith is not based on some vague, you know, spiritual experience. It's not based on some mystical thing. It's based on, it's not even weird. It's the most rational way to understand the universe. What is the universe telling us? That there is a God who is good, not just sort of good, not just average good. He's perfectly good. He's incapable of evil. He's always good all the time. And that God actually breathed life, put his life into us so we became in his image. And what that tells you is that suddenly, because you're in the image of God, you have this identity which is supernaturally defined. It's literally valuable. 
You can't find, if you're a random accident in a giant cosmic explosion, you can't find any purpose to life that makes any sense. It's not possible. There isn't any. You will never find a logic that supports the idea that you have some value. So why are we fighting about value if we don't believe in God? If you don't believe in God, you can't even believe in thought. I know it's early in the morning. I'm sorry to forcefully do so. My point is really simple. Jesus is the only way to make sense of the universe. God designs humans with free will. He breathes life into them. He gives them purpose and beauty and identity and hunger for meaning. He places within us a craving for a moral view of the universe. And he puts within us this need of a destiny beyond this life. And then he gives us free will, the ability, capacity to make choices to either accept or reject him. Why? Because he cannot make robots. He can't, he has to make people that have the power to choose because without choice there is no love, right? So, so we can't love if we can't choose. So therefore we discover that in order to love, I must be able to choose and to, 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 to choose is to love. And by doing that, we become more in the image of God than ever because suddenly we have the capacity to love like he loves. But in designing us, he also knows that we will fall. Knows in advance that we will fall. And this divine deal is done in heaven before he even begins the creation, which is, Jesus, will you invest yourself as my son, to rescue humanity from themselves, from their sin, from their failure, from their faults. And God so loved the world that he what? Come on, God so, come say it with me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. (laughs) That's that's the only way to make sense of the universe. And inherent in that, let me ask you, as I I draw to a close this morning, what makes you valuable? How many of you woke up this morning, you looked in the mirror and you thought, the epitome of perfection, like seriously, right here, like seriously, just, just flawless. Who did that? Anyone do that? No. I would have thought there'd be a few blokes who would have done that this morning. <laughs> but none of us did that, right? So you're not valuable this morning just because of how you look. You're not valuable because of what you learned this week. You're not valuable because of how much money you have. You're not valuable because of what you know. You're not even valuable because of who you know. You're not even valuable because of what you achieved. You're valuable 
Because God designed you with intrinsic beauty and value. And you're more valuable because of the price he paid to rescue you. That's what salvation is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let's close our eyes for a moment. I just want to pray. Father, we are in awe of you because of the wisdom by which you govern the universe. And I thank you, Father, for every person in this room that they have a story. And I thank you that their story matters. And I pray that you give them courage to share their faith, to share their story. I pray for this region, this community and and beyond, that every place where these leaders are called to, to be and to touch, that there would be salvation all around them. I pray we would be ambassadors of your kingdom, that we would be unapologetic about our faith, that we would take the opportunity to share what you have done for us and in us. And Father, I thank you that you help us to make sense of the world and not just for us, but for others who can make no sense of the world, who who are desperate, who are in despair, who are grieving, who are lost. I give you praise, Father, for your intervention. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.